Welcome to Spark, Careers in Agribusiness, where we meet the most accomplished leaders in agribusiness today. Learn how each of the women and men featured has built leadership into their life's work and what advice they have for young people just beginning their careers. Your host for Spark is Sarah Stever, president at Paulson. Welcome to this episode of Spark. Our guest today is Cindy Zimmerman, and she is vice president of Zimcom New Media, which many of you will recognize as AgWired. Cindy, I think the way that you've named Zimcom as New Media really reflects your role, uh, because for our audience, you need to know that Cindy is an accomplished photographer, writer, broadcaster, videographer, and social media maven, and she probably does a lot of other things in between there in terms of running your business and entrepreneur. So Cindy, maybe you would start us out uh, by telling us a little bit about Zimcom and what a great day in your world is like. Well, for one thing, no day is ever the same as the day before. We definitely are, are varied in what we do. But Zimcom, obviously, it comes from our last name, uh, Zimmerman, and we started it 13 years ago as a blog, really. When we started AgWired, we needed to start a website to go with it, and we found this new thing called a blog. So we put it into a blog format, and that's kind of where we got the new media start. And that has propelled us forward into all kinds of social media. And we kind of feel like we're journalists for the journalists out there. We create content. That's what new Zimcom does. We create content for other people, and everybody needs content. So that's what we do. We do it in terms of photography and especially audio interviews because that's where our background is. I majored in broadcasting. Chuck majored in broadcasting. We were farm broadcasters in Florida and in the Midwest, and that's really what we got to do best is do audio interviews. So as far as a day in my world, well, today's a little quiet, but normally pretty much every week we're on the road. And I'm, we're in, in town this week, but last week we were in San Diego for the biodiesel conference. Next week I'll be going to Bonita Springs to cover the Crop Insurance Reinsurance Bureau annual meeting while Chuck heads off to Atlanta <laughs> and Jamie goes to Nashville for the Cattlemen's meeting. So we do a lot of travel and that's our concept is we do the travel for a lot of the other journalists, writers, bloggers, broadcasters who can't go to some of these events and then we make all that content available to them. And that's the extent of our company, really. It's uh, it's me and Chuck, and then we have our son-in-law, Clint Underwood, joined the company last year as our general manager, and then we, Jamie is our primary contractor who helps us with our on-site work, keeping the all of our many websites populated. Well, you guys, for just being three or four people, you guys cover a lot of ground. So, Cindy, let's maybe look back and tell us a little bit about your early life and how that prepared you for your career. When you go back and probably... A couple of the first pictures that we have well, mine was like three, four, five years old. I have pictures of me at Christmas getting a camera. <laughs> so I think photography has always been a thing of mine. I have photo albums. I started putting together photo albums when I was like 10 years old, and I still have them. <laughs> I have my entire shelf is filled with photo albums of all my kids. And then we went digital, and I have no more photo albums. Photography has always been an interest of mine. And then when I got into high school, it was more I was thinking I was going to be a zoologist. <laughs> I wanted to be a zoologist because huh. I liked animals a lot. And then I got into to college, and I found out that zoology is like a lot of science, and I really didn't care for it that much. <laughs> 
So I looked through the the catalog and found what I could looking for what I could major in, and I saw broadcasting. I'm like, I can talk, I can do that. <laughs> so that's how I picked my major. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> and um, turned out I, I really loved it. And then to combine broadcasting and photography and just everything else that we do, that developed very quickly in in my career as I started working. My first job was with Florida Farm Bureau. Before that, I had nothing to do with agriculture. Okay. I was wondering because you hadn't grown up on a farm. Nope. Did not. Uh, Grew up in my family. Grew up in. I basically grew up in, I say I grew up in Fort Lauderdale. We moved there when I was 12. Before that, we lived in Ohio and Connecticut and places like that. But I feel like I grew up in Florida. That was where I belonged. Uh, And you're still there. Well, we're back there after spending 20 years in Missouri. So take us from your college on forward then. As I was getting ready to graduate in 1980, I realized I needed an internship, and the internship that I found was with Florida Farm Bureau. It really cemented what we wanted to do, which was kind of corporate communications. And Chuck graduated that year, and that was the year we got married. We were able to do a lot of multimedia at Farm Bureau. That's what I liked a lot about it. It wasn't just one thing. Even though I majored in broadcasting, I was still able to write and still able to do photography and take slides and and all that. While Chuck worked at the television station, the public television station, that was his job when he graduated. As we progressed in our careers, like I said, we really had this focus on corporate communications and doing videos for corporations and things like that. That was kind of what we wanted to do. We told our professor, remember when we were in college, we said we wanted to have a video production company. That was what we wanted to do. And it didn't ever happen that way. But as we went on with our careers and working together, we were told in college that we should never work together and be in the same careers. And we ignored that advice. (laughs) And we've been married now for 30 It'll be 37 years this year. Wow, so. congratulations. That's awesome. And most of the time, we were working together, either starting our own business. We started our own business, first business here in Florida, the Southeast Agnet that still exists today with Gary Cooper, because Gary Cooper was the person who hired me at Florida Farm Bureau. That's really where we got our start in this business. So how long were you at Farm Bureau? Well, not very long, actually. Only a couple of years. We, I was there for about a year after I graduated. Then we moved to Maryland and had a baby. Then we came back and moved to South Florida. And then we moved back to Gainesville. And then we both went back to work for Gary at Florida Farm Bureau. And that was where we started our first business. As of Florida, we started the Southeast Agnet. It was Florida Agrinet at the time was what we called it. It was a, a radio network, just like Brownfield or any other radio network here in Florida. Now, it, now it's Florida, Georgia, Alabama, and California. So great preparation for what you ultimately ended up doing. So why did you decide to kind of venture out then after that on your – or did is that the point at which you ventured out on your own? Because I think you were at Brownfield for a while also? We were. Okay. Yes, because when we, we started this business here in Florida, it was Chuck and I and Gary, so all of us had a, a stake in the company. We were all involved in the development of that company. But when we ran into some financial issues with the, with the company, because when we first started, we had, I owned a radio station in Ocala. Then we started a news network in Tallahassee, and we got too big too fast. So we ran into financial problems. We had three children. Gary didn't have any. Ah. So. We kind of had to, had to have a job, so that's when we moved out to Missouri to go to work for Brownfield Network. And Chuck and I were both hired together to work at Brownfield Network, me as a reporter, an anchor, and Chuck as the general manager of the network. 
And I lasted five years there, and he lasted ten. But I went off on my own first. It was okay. kind of like having three kids and feeling like I wanted to work at home. And I did, and I started working at home and also you know, being, being able to be involved in the kids' lives at school and still be able to do work at home. I started doing freelance work then. And in doing that, like I started doing programming for the network that we formed in Florida. So from Missouri, I was doing programs for Florida for about five years until we started this company. And that was after Chuck left Brownfield and worked for another company for a while. And I had already had a couple of clients, including Gary, and we decided to go off on our own again. (laughs) Well, I'm not sure I've ever heard of a couple that was kind of hired as a package deal. That's really unusual. (laughs) It is unusual. And it was okay for for a while. Sure. But it's not I, I would not recommend that <laughs> to anybody. <laughs> Working in the same division of a large company as husband and wife is definitely not cool. <laughs> well, there's there seems to be kind of this thread of entrepreneurialism that keeps surfacing in your lives and that's ultimately where you ended up starting up Zimcom. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. My dad started his own company, and really, I always wanted my own business. If I had to change anything, it would have been just doing it sooner. (laughs) (laughs) So can you think of, um, during your career, and you've had, you know, lots of places you guys moved around and lots of different things that you did, were there any surprises along the way or any pivotal events or decisions that kind of changed the whole course of, of where you went? Everything was a surprise. All three children, for example. (laughs) I think everything was a surprise. It's taking advantage of the opportunities when they come along. And really working with Gary, uh, Gary Cooper, we still are very good friends with Gary. He had the same kind of entrepreneurial spirit that we did, so that propelled us that forward. But we had that desire all along. What was really pivotal was me starting to work at Florida Farm Bureau right out of college because that set us into this unique communications world of agriculture. It's different. It's different than any other communications world. I think that's probably the most pivotal thing that ever happened to us. And deciding to go for Brown, go to work at Brownfield instead of going to work at another company in Houston was also pivotal. But starting our own company again just was something that it's like nothing. It's like that was the pathway we were supposed to get to and you're going to get to that one way or another. Well, you finally ended up there um, after that path, and I'm just kind of curious of all of those little steps along the way, then what do you think your biggest obstacle has been? That would be having children. I mean, to be perfectly honest, that's it was raising a family that changed our, our direction, and it felt like we had to have a steady income and not take as much risks. Most of the time we spent in Missouri, we were working for someone else and getting a paycheck. And, I, you know, of course, we wouldn't change that at all. And now we're enjoying being grandparents. Oh. That's my best role ever. <laughs> Congratulations. That's awesome. Well, you know, I want to go back to something that you just said a little bit ago, because you mentioned that you felt like being in media, in farming, and in agriculture is different than any other type of journalism that's out there. And and I would add for our listeners that I think your approach to it is also even different from anybody else. I don't think there's anybody else out there that's doing what 
what you and Chuck and Jamie are doing right now. Well, I would agree with that. Sometimes people feel like we're in competition with one group or another, or, you know, one media entity or another, but we're we're not. We're totally different. Like I said, we kind of feel like we're journalists for other journalists so that we can create the content that they have that they have to use. Having been journalists ourselves and working under deadlines and knowing that you have time to fill whether you're on the radio, in our case, if you have a podcast or whatever, you still got that time you got to fill or that space you got to fill if you're doing print. And sometimes it's just not right there at your fingertips and you like to have a little bit of help in getting getting the content that you need. The reason, when we first started the company, we started these talking news releases because one of my biggest problems as a, as a broadcaster was I would get a press release from a, from a company and I would call to do an interview because I'm a broadcaster, so I want an audio. And they'd say, oh, I'm sorry, that person just left town, left country for two weeks. <laughs> so that left me without a, without a story, in my opinion. Now it's pretty commonplace to do audio news releases, but not as much as I think it should be because they don't think a lot of people take into account broadcasters. And that was what we wanted to do. We wanted to send out sound bites or interviews with press releases so the broadcasters had had that at their hands, at their fingertips, and they didn't have to call somebody and wait for them to call back when they're on deadline. I haven't necessarily heard this in agriculture as much, but but you hear about news entities all saying, you know, they, they're expecting us to cover just as much news with far fewer people, fewer resources, and just um, and less time. And, and then they also expecting to have more formats. I've got to have it in writing, and I've got to have a photo or a video, and then maybe the audio that goes with it, and then push it out on all these other mediums, which is, you know, largely where you guys obviously saw opportunity to step in. Did you also find that to be true on the agricultural side? Oh, absolutely. We've seen a revolution in the last 12, 13 years since we started the company, the lines are blurred between agricultural uh, farm broadcasters and agricultural journalists, you know, between the print journalists and the radio people and even the TV people. All the lines are blurred because, like you said, all of a sudden, oh, the broadcasters are having to actually write out their stories and put pictures with them. And the print people are doing interviews on, on the radio. So... Yeah, there's a lot more content that they need, and they can't be everywhere. We can't be everywhere either, but the idea of having all of that content in one place, our Ag Newswire is like like a cornucopia of stuff. The archives in there, we've got audio files going back to 2005. We've got 300,000 photos in our photo album going back to 2005. So there's all kinds of stuff, and we just create all this content, and we wish we could do more with it, go back through those 300,000 photos and tag them better and have them be able to, you know, find really good stuff. People that are, are have died, we went back and we found pictures of Merle Haggard when we'd seen him when he died, when Paul Dana died, a race car driver. We have pictures that in our archives that we can use. And that's kind of what we want. We don't want people to feel like we're a threat to them. And some people do. Some people in the business feel like we are a threat in some ways, but we're trying not to. It's like we want to help everybody. We want to help the companies. We want to help the agencies. We want to help the journalists all all at the same time. So that makes us different. 
Yes, and yep. we're not real protective either of copyrights. That's a big difference with us. With our photos, they're all out there, and anybody can use them. And that's why regular photographers don't get us at all, because normally you want to take 150 photos, take them back, go through them, look at them all, cut it down to 20 really, really good ones, and give them, back, give them to the client like a month later. <laughs> yeah. We yep. just shoot them all and put them up there, and you take it. You do whatever you want with it, because we're into that. Just get it out there. If you want to do then you can make the picture your own. And people's expectation is that everything should be instantaneous. I mean, social media has definitely given everyone that idea. I need this immediately. Even if it's not perfect, it's better to have it out now. Right. That's kind of our concept is to get it out and get it get it out there right now because then it's not it's not news otherwise. If you wait a week to get it out, it's not news yeah. anymore. So switch gears here a little bit and let's talk about if you've ever been a mentor. Can you share any stories about that? Or if you've got some advice for young women that are starting out in their careers? Well, Jamie, who works for us, gave me a very sweet message for my 60th birthday. My One of my daughters developed this little video. And Jamie talked about how I was a role model for her. And I guess if I've mentored or been a role model for anybody, I don't really know. But but she told me specifically that I have been. The way Jamie works for us, Jamie has her own company. We contract her company to work for us. That's what we intended when we started this company and to use freelancers is we wanted people who had a stake in our company by whatever work they do, they get paid for it. Instead of hiring a staff that may or may not work all the time, freelancers, we wanted them to look at the, their way to build their own business. And that's exactly what Jamie did. So you passed so, down your entrepreneurial spirit to her. Right. <laughs> and so that I, I consider that right there a, a clear example. Otherwise, it would have been <laughs> I would have been kind of stumped by that if Jamie hadn't specifically <laughs> said that, because I don't think I realize that I'm, I'm not doing that actively. But Jamie did exactly what was my goal when we started the company and brought on freelancers was to have them want to start their own businesses. Those are great lessons to learn. Um, And we really need a lot more entrepreneurs out there, especially in agriculture, kind of the lifeblood of where we're headed. Well, I think so. I mean, farmers are the original entrepreneurs. Yeah, they are. Do you have any advice for young women that are starting out in their careers? For one thing, internships are definitely very, very important um, in college. Because really, it was my last semester or we were on quarters at the time, when suddenly somebody said, hey, you know, you're supposed to have an internship. Really? Internships are very important. And very frequently, they might lead to a job with that place and a job that you don't expect. My advice is to to leave yourself open for the opportunities, and it may not be what you expect. And I, I think if you get a couple of internships in, I know some in some cases they're pressuring kids to get them after their freshman year, which I think is a Kind of early, but maybe that helps. But you could get quite a bit of variety in before you actually had to make a decision about what uh-huh. you were going to do. I would never have thought of going into agricultural communications if not for my internship in college. If it hadn't been for Farm Bureau. If it hadn't been for Gary Cooper and Florida Farm Bureau, <laughs> I wouldn't be here today, and neither would Chuck. Is that how you had actually met Chuck, or did you meet him in college? I missed that. We met in college, yes. Okay. No, Very and he good. didn't. He doesn't have an ag background either. And no, so basically he followed me into the ag world. Because we got, once I got to know Gary Cooper and they became, you know, we became friends, then he hired Chuck and me both. 
again. So we got hired twice as a package. <laughs> so basically, we've worked together hmm. our entire married lives, and before even. Even when we were in college, we were working on the same, you know, when we do the news, we'd be on the same team. He'd be the director, and I'd be the technical director or whatever, doing the TV shows. That's how farms work, too. You know, those mm-hmm. are couples that work together 24-7. And that's why we brought Clint, our son-in-law, into the business. The kids, even though they've basically been brought up in agriculture, and you know, they've been, they know what we've done, they've been to meetings that we've gone to, they just, we have not been able to bring the girls into the business very much. But they are helping out now. Caitlin, actually, Clint's wife and the mother of our soon-to-be third grandchildren, she has all of them, all three of them. So in between babies, she works some for us. But that's important, too, bringing yeah. in the family into the business. It is, so. and that's much like you would see a farm family do it, where you've mm-hmm. got multiple generations so they can support each other and help raise the children and a wonderful setup. Let's switch gears again, um, and I'm going to ask you what you are most concerned about within your sphere of influence. Well, I'm not going to say that it's a problem because it's something that's been going on for a long time, and that's consolidation. That affects everybody on every level in the agribusiness because you've got less choices, less companies out there. You've got less advertising if you're if you need you know advertising to exist. There's the pool of money gets smaller. It affects the farmers. It affects everybody in the business. So yeah. That's a concern. You know, like climate change, I think we're going to adapt all the time. I don't really ever get too concerned about anything because I tend to feel like things work out eventually the way they're supposed to. Lots of times it's a pendulum. But I would say consolidation is probably, but it has been. That's nothing new. Yeah, that's been happening for a long time. Right. It's happening in the agency world. It happens in, you know, it happens in the communications world. Look at Brownfield Network buying, you know, now they own practically every network in the country. Yep. Yep. So we've got that we've got it going on there too in uh, you know on that level. So if you could influence one thing in the future, what would it be? Making sure my grandchildren have a good education. Making sure all children have a good education yep. in the future. Yeah. We have really because they don't have control over that. I'm looking out for their interests right now more than anything else. I think it's a wonderful set up that you guys have as a family and I love knowing kind of the backstory of how you support each other because I didn't know that before that's that's really impressive and gosh that's just awesome oh thanks Sarah that's sweet just so many parallels with how a farm family would work I think that's really amazing mm-hmm. I'll bet a nickel that you'll be able to make sure they have a good education I just have a <laughs> sense that you're probably that's probably in the cards for them. I'm going to ask you a question. Maybe a, a tough one to answer, but um, after you've stepped aside from what you're doing right now, what's one thing that you hope everyone will remember you for? Just being a good reporter. I like to be able to be a good interviewer, and I, I've been told by other people in the business, like Cindy Young, that I helped her learn how to be a good interviewer and ask good questions. So that's one of the things that I like to do, and hope that I do well. I probably should have called you earlier and asked you to give me some pointers. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're doing fine. Well, the greatest doing. thing with you that I never do, <laughs> well, that's not, not true. I don't never do it, but is to have a nice list of questions that oh. you can go. I won't say I never do that. That's when I do my best interviews is when I'm fully prepared. But it's nice to be able to do an interview off the cuff <laughs> and have people go, I've had that happen. They'll go, how did you do that? Like a farm progress show, somebody will walk up and say, hey, can you do this interview? And I'll go, okay. And I start doing an interview without any background at all. 
Oh, my goodness. I can't imagine trying to pull that off. No way. Okay, so my last question for you is, what's a question that no one ever asked you, but you've got this great answer? <sighs> I think that no one, I won't say no one ever asked me, but few people ask what role our faith, my faith plays in my life and in my business life. I think that's a question that I don't get often enough because that's probably the most important thing to me personally because in the last 20 years, especially, Chuck and I both go to Mass almost every day as often as we can because we put our faith and the importance of thanking God is the most important thing we do in our day. I'd like people to know that, and I think that, you know, some people think it's weird. I've had people ask me, why do you go to Mass every day? And I say, well, you know, why would you ask somebody why they work out every day? To, to us, it's more important, especially to me, it's more important to have that spiritual exercise. So it gives me a really good excuse not to, like, go walk on the treadmill, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a wonderful question and answer. That's a wonderful one. I love that. That totally took me... By surprise, and that's that's a great question and a great answer. That was a hard one. So, is there anything else, any other advice, or anything else you want to share with our our Spark audience? Yeah, don't work too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I think we do a lot. I definitely do. My husband's always telling me I'm a workaholic, but then my grandkids come over, and I'll just drop everything and spend the time with them. And that's the best thing about having our own business is having the flexibility to be able to do that. So. I would say try not to work too hard. <laughs> that is really great advice. Find the right balance, and I think you got your priorities right, Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I don't. Just ask Chuck. <laughs> he thinks I work way too hard. Uh, well, <laughs> I said, but somebody's got to do it. Yeah, I'm the type A personality here. <laughs> I just cannot imagine all the travel that you guys do. It's just unbelievable. So f for fun, you don't travel, I'm guessing. No, no. Mm -hmm. We stayed home for Christmas. We did not go anywhere. <laughs> We had nobody here, and we didn't go anywhere. So, yes, that's the kind of thing we just go, mm -mm, no, nope. not doing it for fun. Not fun anymore. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. I'm sure appreciative of your time and, and your advice, and I think the idea of really paying attention to your internships when you're young is a really good one. Obviously, it was pivotal for you mm -hmm. um, and where you went, and, and I really, really, really love Faith as that last answer to the question. So that's beautiful. <laughs> okay. All righty. Thanks for your time, Cindy. I'll see you on the Ag Show circuit. All right. That's Spark for today. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in for the next episode. To learn more about Paulson, please visit paulson.ag. That's P-A-U-L-S-E-N dot A-G.